welcome to the Churches of the New Testament podcast, in which we explore what we can know about the various local congregations that are found in the New Testament and how they can help us understand the way the faith was revealed and how we can glorify God in Christ. My name is Ethan. I want to thank you for joining us today and thank you for giving us the gift of spending time as we continue by looking at the churches in Galatia. The churches of Galatia are a lot of the first fruits of the missionary work of Paul and Barnabas. We see that Paul visits these churches frequently. doesn't seem like he spends a lot of time with them at any given time. Uh, but uh, the churches in Galatia are most known for the uh, challenges that they had with the Judaizing teachers that came through that provoked the writing of the letter to the Galatians. There's a lot of challenges when it comes to how we understand the uh, uh, Galatian churches and the Galatian letter itself. Uh, Galatia can be an ethnic area or a province in the Roman Empire, and both of them are found in uh, the central area of uh, modern-day Turkey on the Anatolian Peninsula. The northern section is the ethnic area, uh, and what is called North Galatia, and this, this province, the Roman province, also included areas of Lycaonia and Pisidia, which are known as South Galatia, there by the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Uh, there's some contention over the way that Paul uses that term Galatia, but when we look at how he talks throughout the New Testament, both he and Peter will talk in, in terms of Roman provinces. Uh, he'll talk about Macedonia and Achaia in 2 Corinthians, for instance, Asia in 2 Corinthians as well. And so we should probably understand that when Paul is talking to the churches in Galatia, he's writing to whatever churches may exist in the entire Roman province, although most of those churches are most likely going to be concentrated in the southern area. In the days of the Exodus, Galatia uh, is the center of the Hittite Empire, a very powerful, important empire at that time that was lost to our understanding of history, ended up being a point at which a lot of people in the 17th and early and 18th and 19th centuries were saying that, hey, you know, uh, casting aspersions on the Bible, but yet then we found uh, Hattusas at Bagazkoi and found the, the uh, great information that we have about that empire and that it absolutely certainly existed. It is populated by native Anatolians until around the 3rd century B.C., when there was a wave of Celtic invaders from Gaul, uh, Gaul's modern-day France, that had co come across and ultimately uh, ended there, ravaging there, and ended up settling there. And that's why it was named Galatia. Uh, the area to the south, South Galatia, are there, Laconia, Phrygia, Pisidia. These areas have, uh, were populated by the Hurrians and people. Uh, they were known from Old Testament times and beforehand, very ancient people who had been there for a very long time. Uh, but Galatia is being named for the Gauls because that's that's where they were. And of course, uh, when the Romans came by, they're very familiar with Gauls because they you know knew them next door. And so that's why that was called Galatia. It was full primarily of Gentiles and their pagan religion. There were some Jewish people in the land, especially in that southern section of the province. And so as we're getting further away from Jerusalem, further away from Antioch, we're getting to be more Gentile, although there is Jewish population, and we're going to see how that works itself out. Um, when it comes to the churches, the issues of Church Galatia, a lot of what the conversation is going to dictate is based on how one dates the uh, information going on in uh, the letters to the Galatian with what Luke presents to us in the book of Acts. There's already a lot of issues going on uh, with Galatians 1 and 2 in terms of how we can align them with what Paul has to, Luke has to say excuse me, about Paul in Acts chapter 9 and 10 and 11. 
the best way we're going to try to handle this is to understand that the events of Galatians chapter 1 are subsumed in the events of Acts chapter 9. And that we can understand and try to harmonize to the best of our ability all that happening in that particular time frame. Um, then we can look at Galatians chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to look at the events in Jerusalem there as the same events going on uh, in Acts chapter 15 when Paul goes to, up to the Jerusalem uh, church for the conference there. Uh, there are some who want to say this event actually happens earlier and want to place the letter to the Galatians uh, as perhaps even the earliest of Paul's writings uh, in the maybe 47, 48 uh, period. Um, others want to say that well, he wrote soon after the events of Acts 15, so somewhere around 50, 51. Uh, we're going to take the position in our conversation of the VAR later date that Paul is writing to the Galatians uh, somewhere maybe around 55, 56, and that the Galatian controversy happens uh, significantly later in their development, and that the speed that he's talking about, that it is quickly happening, really is a conversation about how uh, quickly they changed from what they had heard to believing this new message they had received, uh, not necessarily saying that they had converted so quickly from having heard the gospel and then immediately after uh, turning to this other gospel. Uh, these do have uh, a bit of bearing on how we understand the church in Galatia, so the rest of our conversation is going to be based upon this kind of historical reconstruction. Of course, if you were going to date Galatians earlier, especially if you take the earliest date, it would look significantly different, although maybe not so much uh, with perhaps the um, Norva middle date. Regardless, uh, when we looked at Antioch of Syria, we saw that from there, Paul and Barnabas were set aside by the Holy Spirit to go and do the work the Spirit had commissioned for them around the year 46 at the beginning of Acts 13. We're told they then traveled to Cyprus. We're not really told much about the church there, so therefore there's not much we can say about it. And then they reached the Anatolian Peninsula through Pamphylia in Acts 3, 13, 14. Uh, then Barnabas and Paul will travel to Antioch of Pisidia in the province of Galatia. Uh, and that's where uh, Paul is preaching in the synagogue. And we can see in Acts 13, 15 through 41, a masterful lesson from the Old Testament demonstrating that Jesus is the Christ. We should not read too much into that lesson about anything specific in Antioch of Pisidia. Uh, Luke is very likely providing that lesson as, a, as kind of a typological sermon. This is the kind of thing, the paradigm that he would use when he would go in synagogues uh, everywhere. This is the kind of message he would preach. We'd imagine he would say the same thing when he was in Cyprus, when he goes to Philippi or, or to Thessalonica. He's going to say something similar. Uh, this is just the lesson that he gives. Now, in Antioch of Pisidia, those Jews were willing to hear more of him until the Gentiles arrived to hear the gospel as well. And because of jealousy, they were stirred up and they turned on Paul and uh, persecution uh, was waged against them. Uh, yet, we're told in Acts 13, 48 and 52 that some of the Jews and many of the Gentiles were converted and that a church is established there. We're told not long after he would leave Antioch of Pisidia to go to Iconium and he preached in the synagogues. This time he met with more success in the synagogues in Acts 14 and verse 1. Uh, they stayed longer in Iconium than in Antioch Pisidia, but the Jews would rise up, uh, being instigated by the Jews of Antioch of Pisidia, and they stoned Paul. And uh, it didn't go well for him. And uh, it was very... Uh, oh, that's no, right. It was be stoned later. They were going to stone him here, uh, and he would end up getting stoned when he was in Lystra. So again, you see the fervency here of how these Jewish... Uh, opponents were really uh, riled up against Paul and against what he was doing. Uh, so when they arrived in Lystra, they started preaching the gospel. There was a man with an infirmity there that Paul healed. Uh, 
And then we see uh, Gentile religion in its full form. They saw this going on, and they said, oh, okay, the gods have come down to us in the form of men. They thought Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Hermes. Uh, Paul probably Hermes because he was the guy talking and being the messenger. Uh, Barnabas, Barnabas really must have shown them a lot of power in his movement because they thought he was Zeus. And they started, you know, the, the priest of Zeus was bringing an animal out to sacrifice to him. And Paul quickly says, no, 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 no. Um, they try to say that this is uh, not, abs- oh, there's, well, we've been telling you about another God, the only God that exists who's, 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 who, even though you've been faithless, has still shown you good things, and we're talking about him. And they barely constrain them from sacrificing to him. And it really shows one of the, the challenges that Paul and Barnabas would have trying to proclaim the gospel among the Gentiles. Uh, now, they did preach the gospel list, as we said, and some did believe, but as we said, some Jews came down, persuaded the multitudes, and they stoned Paul. And they all thought he was dead, brought him out of town, but he actually wasn't dead, came back and strengthened the disciples quickly, and then ended up going to Derby of Lycaonia, and also preached there. Luke doesn't tell us a lot of detail about how much time is being spent in these places, but he then goes back oh, through all the places that he had been. Uh, from Derby to Lystra to Iconium and Pisidia. And in all of those places, he's preaching this message. Through tribulation, we will enter the kingdom of God. So he's preparing them and expecting them to go through difficulties and trials. We can imagine if the Jewish people are very instigated by the presence of Paul proclaiming this message, that they probably would not rest while they had these groups of Christians who, of course, would be promoting that gospel among themselves. We're also told in Acts 14, 20-23 that he appointed elders for them in each church. And this is a very significant event and one that causes a lot of questions and, and things coming up here uh, because how could they have had elders after such a short time? Uh, some of the commentators among us have suggested it's because uh, Paul and Barnabas would just appoint the people who were most qualified. And that might be a conclusion we could reach if we saw that there was a consistency there, that wherever there was a church, there were elders. But uh, we're going to see that the church in Corinth doesn't seem to have elders. Paul does not identify any elders among any of the churches in Rome. Uh, so it may not be the case that there's always going to be elders appointed. Uh, but we need to remember that there were some Jewish people who were converted, and there have been full families converted at this point. Uh, we could imagine that there are some people who would have already had a strong grounding in the truth of God, uh, had learned of Christ sufficiently that Paul and Barnabas were persuaded that they could effectively shepherd a local congregation, even in a short amount of time, meeting uh, generally the qualifications that would later be set in First Timothy and in Titus. So we should not necessarily assume that just because there are elders here that there's something different here than what will go on in the future. Um, that we, we weren't there. We did not see exactly how that went down. Regardless, Paul and Barnabas then return to Antioch of Syria through Pamphylia, and that ends their first missionary journey. So we see that the churches of Antioch of Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby are at least the starting nucleus of the churches of Galatia, or maybe the sum total of them. And Paul and Barnabas uh, preached the word in these communities, and they suffered persecution, and likely that persecution also extended to their uh, uh, fellow Christians who remained there. But there's uh, many who believe the gospel, and the churches had were appropriately established with good leadership, and uh, would, in many respects, remain fairly stable uh, throughout. And again, we should not allow the events we're going to talk about overshadow the fact that these churches do seem to remain stable throughout uh, this whole New Testament period. So then the next phase of, of what we learn about the Church of Galatia come from this period between around 48 to 55, uh, while Paul will visit them occasionally during his, his trips otherwise. So he is, while he's in Antioch, as we said last time, he's going through this issue with these uh, Pharisaic Judaizers coming in saying, hey, 
they need to be ba- uh, Gentiles need to be ba- circumcised and to observe the law of Moses. And so they went down, had the whole consternation, went down, had the conference in Jerusalem, which is probably mentioned in Galatians 2. Uh, and then from there, uh, the message would go out, nope, you know, the, the Holy Spirit has determined that we should not lay upon them this burden. And so this caused uh, the church in Antioch to rejoice. And then that message is also brought through uh, the churches of Galatia, uh, where Paul and now Silas are going through and encouraging the places that they had been before in uh, Acts chapter 16. And this is also where we learn that Timothy, uh, the Timothy uh, to whom First and Second Timothy is written, Timothy who is going to be present through a lot of Paul's ministry from here on out, has comes from Lystra in, Gal- in Galatia that he was uh, well-regarded in the churches of Lystra and Iconium, and that uh, he uh, was circumcised there by Paul because everybody knew he was had a Greek father. His mother and his grandmother were Jewish, raised him in understanding uh, the Jewish uh, message of, of who God is and, and what he's about and the salvation that would come in Jesus. And this is, by the way, why we can have confidence that there would be men in these places who could be faithful elders, even though they had not been Christians for that long. Um, but his father was Greek. So he has a strong connection to Judaism because it is a very matrilineal uh, connection there. However, because he is uh, has a Greek father, he was not circumcised. But Paul wanted Timothy to be able to work with him in the synagogue context and among Jewish people and therefore had him circumcised for that reason, which will become important because in the Galatian dispute, uh, in the letter that will follow, he makes it clear that why he did not have Titus circumcised. Regardless, he's gone through that area, uh, encourages the Christians, and from there he'll go to Asia and ends up in Philippi and that's on areas of Macedonia and in Achaia uh, at, at, during that trip. Now, as after he's gone through all those places, uh, and he, he he returns to Antioch, and on his way out of Antioch, so he's leaving Antioch again, uh, and he's heading to Ephesus. In Acts eighteen twenty three, we're told that he goes and returns and visits and strengthens the churches of Galatia. And maybe it's during this time that he gives the instruction that he says he gave in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. In 1 Corinthians 16, he, he talks about how he was going to, as I instructed the church of Galatia, so I instruct you about making collections for the needy Christians in Jerusalem that either he would bring or somebody they would de- delegate would bring to Jerusalem when he would come back again. Uh, we do not have any other visits by Paul to the churches in Galatia recorded. It's possible that he ha- went through again at some other time. Uh, he might have visited them during the time between his imprisonments in Romans 62 to 64. Um, or it's very possible that Paul and, and the Galatians never saw each other again in the flesh after these experiences. Later on in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, Paul told Timothy around the year 64 that Crescens, one of his associates, was in Galatia. Uh, so that shows that there's some continual relationship going on there and that the work is still there to encourage those churches. Uh, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 1, uh, Galatia is among the provinces to which uh, Peter wrote his letter uh, to the Christians there, encouraging them to remain faithful despite persecution and difficulties. Um, it, we're not going to do much with the that particular letter in our conversations because it's written to such a broad group, but it does help to reinforce the reality that there are persecutions challenges which the Christians in Galatia are going through. And that's what we know of the church in the Galatia from the New Testament, from these accounts in Acts and in um, the, from uh, 2 Timothy and also from 1 Peter. 
Uh, all that remains is a conversation about what's going on through in the letter of Galatians, and we look forward to continuing our conversation about Galatia with that letter in our next edition. Uh, we again thank you for your participation. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. And may the Lord bless and keep until we're able to meet again.